Canadian and foreign globalists are using old Soviet propaganda techniques, domestic influence operations, and coercion to assault basic civil liberties. Such bad actors seek to transform our freedoms from individual rights granted by God and guaranteed by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms into collective privileges capriciously meted out or revoked by elitist oligarchs. Since Pierre Trudeau first ushered in the Charter 40 years ago, secular leftists have worked to change things as essential as freedom of religion into what is called the right to worship. This essentially means that you can pray, but do not dare to take God past your front door, into a school, or online, or you'll be mocked, cancelled, persecuted, or even prosecuted. Massive liberal subsidies to the CBC and mainstream media have all but vitiated freedom of the press and the important societal function which the Fifth Estate once performed, a check upon government abuse of power. These elites want rights that can be controlled by the woke mob. Everything that they dislike will be labeled as hate speech, disinformation, or conspiracy theories. Witness, for example, the Twitter rant of our Prime Minister upon invoking the Emergencies Act last February to quell the faux insurrection known as the Freedom Convoy. Quote, Today in the House, members of Parliament unanimously condemned the anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-black racism, homophobia, and transphobia that we've seen on display in Ottawa over the past number of days. Together, let's keep working to make Canada more inclusive." End quote. The hallmark of Soviet demoralization operations was to employ a set of simple and mutually supportive messages centrally controlled for consistency and disseminated through multiple channels to create the illusion of broad public support. These were relentlessly repeated over extended periods to eventually alter public thoughts and perceptions. We can witness this in action each night on the legacy news broadcasts of CBC, CTV, and Global, all of which chorus the same talking points in unison. In totalitarian states, this process is controlled by bureaucrats and functionaries. Since bureaucrats do not yet have total centralized control in Canada, they have outsourced the job to functionaries in legacy and social media. As Michael Knowles explains in his 2020 book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, this descent into a state of total censorship was hardly instantaneous. It was rather the culmination of a long campaign of costly concessions to the left in the name of tolerance. Political correctness did not trade free speech for censorship, so much as it traded one set of standards for another each with its own taboos. The ancient Israelites prohibited utterance of the holy name just as politically correct modern censor Mark Twain's use of the N-word in Huckleberry Finn. The traditional liturgical calendar dedicated February, March, and June to the Holy Family. St. Joseph and the Sacred Heart of Jesus respectively, the liturgical calendar of secular liberalism dedicates those months to black history, woman's history, and pride, once considered the deadliest of the seven sins, elevated by the political correctness to the paramount virtue. Canadian media types like to cite the time-honored adage that the pen is mightier than the sword, but modern activist readers prefer the old Japanese saying, pen and sword in accord. This unholy alliance of the liberal second and fourth estates has granted leftists an unprecedented, unchecked, and unconstitutional degree of power over what we see, say, and share. 
Even more disturbing is the fact that the Trudeau government, whose job it is to protect our rights, is both legislating and funding social media outlets as they censor, shadow ban, or cancel authors of online content which question the progressive globalist narrative. Bill C-11, the Online Streaming Act, passed the House of Commons on 21 June and is about to clear the Senate. Other pending online content bills include C-18, the Online News Act, C-26, Critical Cyber Systems Protection Act, C-27, Digital Charter Implementation Act of 2022, and a promised but unnamed online harms bill. In a commentary published by the McDonald laurier Institute entitled Debate on Bill C-11 went nowhere, that it passed, is it a bellwether, end quote, Irene Berkowitz says that 16 expert analyses of Bill C-11's impact upon the media economy were ignored by the Trudeau government. Quote, I appeared on May 24th to assert that Bill C-11 does not support Canadian storytelling, but rather obsolete ways of defining and distributing Canadian stories. I expressed concern that Bill C-11 would chill Canadian media innovation, end quote. Bill C-11 has less to do with protecting or promoting Canadian content than it does with censorship. This is a government which revels in censorship and is entirely obsessed with targeting misinformation and disinformation wherever they can be found. C-11 is designed to capture a myriad of websites and posts that cannot meet the threshold of being Canadian enough, which the Trudeau Liberals have made synonymous with woke ideology. The beauty of the internet is that it permits us to break free of government and mass media constraints. Until now, the state could not control what we posted online. So do we really want the internet controlled by a nine-person panel of hand-picked liberal experts who will be empowered to decide what we can or cannot see? Trudeau notoriously stated that he admires China. If the CCP does not want its citizenry to know what is happening outside its borders, then it merely shuts down the internet to all but CCP-controlled sites. Trudeau could just as easily decide that access to only Canadian government-controlled sites is necessary under Bill C-11. He has already demonstrated his preparedness to ostracize undesirable elements of Canadian society who question his government's authority. Quote, We are going to end this pandemic by proceeding with the vaccination. There is still a part of the population fiercely against it. They don't believe in science or progress and are very often misogynistic and racist. They take up some space. This leads us as a leader and as a country to make a choice. Do we tolerate these people? End quote. Sections 2A and 2B of the Charter protect our religious freedom and freedom of speech, respectively. So when do these provisions of our Constitution begin to take effect? The Liberals and their supporters like to say that platforms like Twitter and Facebook are private organizations which can publish or not publish anything they like. So it seems that social media platforms which collude with government to suppress information and censor what is published on them have the legal freedom to do so. This is a perversion of what Benjamin Franklin wrote about free speech back in 1722. Quote, This sacred privilege is so essential to free governments that the security of property and the freedom of speech always go together. And in those wretched countries where a man cannot call his tongue his own, he can scarce call anything else his own. 
Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freeness of speech, a thing terrible to public traders. End quote. We do not require further erosion of our freedom of speech or freedom of religion in Canada. These rights are already in jeopardy. Each time we express public opposition to woke ideology, we have to pause to consider whether we are breaking the law or might lose our job. The Trudeau government is always looking to ban misinformation and hate speech, but it is they who reserve for themselves the right to define what these terms actually mean. We therefore need to beware these new internet laws as things lethal to our ability to communicate truth. Misinformation is a dangerous term because it can apply to just about anything, unlike disinformation, which must be proven to have been deliberately falsified. But why should social media or government be deciding what is either false or misleading information? When social media platforms first emerged in the early days of the 21st century, no one realized the enormous impact they would have upon culture and news. While traditional news has been slowly asphyxiated by online journalism, social media is increasingly a major part of how most people gather news and information each day. Twitter and Facebook and many other social media platforms have become so large and influential that there is a great risk of censorship, which danger has been manifested by the recent Twitter revelations. George Orwell envisioned a dystopian state in which censors recreated news by clipping and pasting newspaper bits together. Of course, this can be done much more readily today with modern computer and AI technology. This is precisely why, given the threat posed by Bill C-11 and other liberal laws, it is so imperative that we strengthen the private parameters of freedom with social media. COVID-19 is but one example of what the Trudeau government regards as worthy of censorship. Twitter was the best-positioned online platform to provide insight and discovery in the chaotic months of the pandemic. The world was trying to discover what to do about the rapidly spreading flu virus. Media pundits and investigators worldwide tuned to Twitter's live public forum to share ideas and to speculate. But woke Generation Z Twitter monitors read the situation rather differently and instead launched a massive censorship campaign in response to government pressure. They suppressed entire narratives during the critical first year of the pandemic. Indeed, to a large degree, Twitter controlled the entire COVID-19 debate, or lack thereof. This was achieved by censoring information that was true but inconvenient to government policy, by discrediting renowned doctors and other experts who disagreed and by suppressing ordinary users of the platform, including ones using the government's own data. Governments exerted considerable pressure to restrict speech about COVID on Twitter, eventually targeting anti-vaxxer accounts. Alex Berenson, a former New York Times investigative reporter, is a well-known and vocal critic of COVID-19 measures. Berenson was a passionate and early dissenter from COVID-19 orthodoxy. He criticized lockdowns, mask mandates, and social distancing policies, along with other draconian non-pharmaceutical interventions. For his trouble, Berenson was removed from Twitter after President Biden publicly chastised social media giants for allowing people to express counter-narrative opinions about vaccines. Highly qualified experts were also censored. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, a Stanford medical scholar and epidemiologist, and Dr. Martin Kohlendorf of Harvard, who helped to co-author the Great Barrington Declaration, were called 
Fringe Scientists by Anthony Fauci. Their assertions remain supported by strong scientific evidence. Numerous studies have demonstrated that natural COVID immunity is superior to vaccine-acquired immunity. Elon Musk's ownership of Twitter has resulted in a decrease in COVID censorship, particularly since studies on COVID-19 death, masking, and vaccine efficacy are more common. The company has stopped applying its former COVID-19 misinformation policy. All of which begs the ultimate question. Ought we to rely upon an elitist, narcissistic, global oligarch like Elon Musk to be our messiah of free speech? This seems a precarious standpoint at best. It is truly remarkable how, despite three years of deep unveiling behind the non-stop pandemic gaslighting, manipulation, and coercion of humanity, there remain those who cling to the mainstream media narrative as truth. The Rand Paul versus Tony Fauci debacle was nothing more than elaborate theater to keep us engaged. Fauci has retired as the highest paid civil servant in American history, his pension and big pharma fortune well intact. We are only given the illusion of justice, not the truth. If the alleged truthers and champions like Musk were really interested in offering us the truth, then they would not waste time plucking at leaves and trimming branches from the tree of lies. They would chop it down and burn out its evil roots. Instead, we see big pharma grifters working to keep the focus on lab leak theories, vaccines, and CCP lockdowns. Meanwhile, we do not address the massive elephant in the room regarding methods of isolation used in virology, which are nothing more than pseudoscience. The fiasco that is taking place at Twitter and the clever facade that Musk has displayed for our entertainment is yet another prime illustration that we all have a great deal to learn about media manipulation. Revelation of the Fauci files will be the 11th edition of the so-called Twitter files, which have exposed a conspiratorial relationship between Twitter and several U.S. government agencies, including the FBI, to influence censorship on the platform. Accounts restored. Free speech for all. Hooray! Why has Musk not dealt with the backdoor government portal at Twitter? Why is he still suppressing the fact that it was Dr. Shiva Ayadura who first shed light on this information with his 2020 federal U.S. lawsuit against the social media giant? Musk is properly seen as having a mutual parasitic relationship with globalist government control of social media, regardless of the left-right, liberal-conservative, mass media, uniparty that fools most people into thinking that there is any difference at the controlling levels of politics. What we must all do instead is stop waiting for someone in the cult of personality to emerge and do the right things. It's up to us to organize ourselves to take back the power that is ours from the bottom up. In other words, real democracy requiring truth and action. Quote, those who deny freedom to others deserve it not for themselves. That's President Abraham Lincoln, the man who freed the slaves in America. <laughs>